Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. I want to take a minute and just say thank you. To be honest with you, um, I've been amazed at where the podcasts have gone. I knew that the podcast might have some level of effectiveness, but I never realized uh, places in the world that these podcasts would be listened to. The number of organizations that would use them as a uh, educational tool and the number of just churches that use them for staff training. Uh, to all of you who have recommended the podcast, who've gone out of your way to uh, let people know about the podcast, uh, I'm so grateful for each one of you. I'm so grateful that uh, you've gone the extra mile. And uh, if you can think of anyone who might be uh, interested, uh, I would encourage you, if you would, to uh, just let them know about the podcast, and I think that uh, it would be helpful to you. Well, Today, I want to take a moment. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about creating capacity, creating capacity. When I talk about creating capacity, um, what I'm referring to is how do we enlarge our ability to be long-term leaders and to perform leadership under intense uh, circumstances and do that where we're increasing on the inside. Well, uh, today I want to look at that. Years ago, there was a phrase that they used to say when you went through a drive through do you want me to supersize that for you? Referred to that you weren't just getting uh, the fries, you were getting the largest fries. You just weren't getting the drink, you were getting the largest drink. Well, I believe in leadership, sometimes uh, we need to allow God to supersize us. And um, so let me just walk you through just a couple of introductory ideas, and then I want to walk you through some principles. I think the first time that we ever talk about uh, the concept of being supersized or increasing our capacity uh, is in John chapter 3 and verse 30. There, John the Baptist gives us a clue of sustaining our leadership capacity. And what he does is he says, I must decrease that he might increase. I must decrease that he might increase. I know that sounds counterintuitive, that we may, must decrease that he might increase. In fact, it goes against our survival nature. Well, if I'm going to survive, I've got to make sure there's a lot of me in the game. But to the contrary, God gives us a different analogy. And the different analogy is this. God does not enlarge your capacity so there can be more about you. God enlarges your capacity so that there can be more about him. And that's what John the Baptist was saying, was that the capacity level would occur when there was a willingness to let enlarged capacity be more about God and less about us. And so that's sort of the fundamental question. If you want to enlarge your capacity, who do you want the enlargement to be about? Do you want it to be about you, or do you want it to be about him? Biblically, there is no uh, precedent set that we enlarge ourselves so that it's more about ourselves. But to the contrary, if we enlarge ourselves, it is so that we are 
focused more on him. So that simple analogy, we decrease that he might increase. Another thing that we know biblically is that when Jesus taught about the talents, and he used that as sort of a backdrop for a whole lot of uh, kingdom uh, principles, one of the things that becomes clear in that story is that God wants us to increase whatever he's given us. So if you're given one talent, he wants you to do something with that one talent so it increases. And if he's given you two or three, or maybe you're that individual that has five, he wants you to do something. So the Bible's very clear that increased capacity happens when we're focused more on wanting to do more for him than us. And increased increase capacity deals with the fact that we're wanting to take what he's given us and make better use of it for him. Now, a part of my journey right now is that I spend a lot of time with uh, kids in their 20s. Uh, these are young people that are on my team that are going to be the next generation of leaders in our church. So one of the things that happens is that I'll do a podcast like this and they'll all listen to it and I'll begin to dig down by asking them questions. What's happened over the last uh, several years has been this. These kids keep asking me, how do you keep doing it? How do you keep doing what you're doing? Knowing the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical toll, how do you keep doing? How do you increase your tolerance for more? How do you create, create an environment where you can do more and that you can sustain that more over a long period of time? See, it's one thing to do something for a day. It's another thing to do something for a week or a month. We've all seen the New Year's resolutions and and people do it for a short burst of time. But it's another thing to do it for a week, a month, a year, a decade, and then multiple decades. Well, that skill to be able to do that means that you've learned to enlarge your capacity. So what I want to do is I want to give you some keys to increase. Just some practical keys that help you enlarge your capacity. Number one is just simple. Use what you have. In the Bible, it's called the law of use. And that is that you use what you have. In uh, the book of Proverbs, it says, uh, a man's gift will make room for itself. And there's a lot of ways that you can sort of navigate that verse. But one of the ways that you navigate it is this. The more you use your gift the more room you make for that gift. And so as you begin to utilize that gift, uh, you begin to increase it. Probably uh, the natural illustration would be that of weightlifting. Now, of all the illustrations that I might use, this would be the one that's probably anyone who's seen me would say, wow, he's talking about weightlifting. Uh, because any of those that of you who've seen me, you know that I'm not the epitome of an individual that would carry a whole lot of muscular stature. But I do watch and I do learn. And I have some young people on my staff that are really, really, really into muscle building. And one of the things that I know 
is that you have to break down muscle to rebuild muscle so that you can increase muscle. And you do it through extended usage with times of extreme exercise, but then times where you're sort of laid back and you're letting recovery and then you're going to go at it again. Well, if you can take that analogy and use it for your ministry or your gift, you have to utilize your gift. The question comes when you're really, really young, how do you do it? So let me go back nearly 40 years. Nearly 40 years ago, when I was in school training for ministry, one of the things that I desired to do was to speak. I wanted to be a communicator. I wanted to be able to stand before people and have opportunities. So like so many of my friends, I was believing God that there would be moments where I'd be able to uh, stand before people and articulate His truth. But I knew for those moments to come, I had to act my faith. I had to utilize my responsibilities of my gift. So for me, not having any place to speak, the only way that I could start was that every day I wrote a sermon. Every day I would come home after doing all the studies I was required to do, I would say, I'm going to write a sermon. So every day I wrote a message. Now, to be honest with you, I have all those messages to this day. And I think of all the messages that I wrote back then, I think I've spoken one of them in public. Now, it wasn't so much that I was going to eventually have those as a part of my core content and communication. It was that I was using my gift. And there are people, when I travel, they say, Gerald, how did you learn to be so prolific in writing content? And I go back to those early days that the only thing I could do to utilize my gift was to write a sermon. And I trained myself to write every day, to take thoughts, to develop thoughts, to connect thoughts, to take a verse, take other verses, connect verses, and develop verses, and somehow translate those. But it all started when I began to utilize my gift. The more you utilize your gift, the more your gift grows. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, we're given these words. We are told that um, one of the things we're to do is to plant and to water and that God gives the increase. Well, the simple concept is this. Do what you can and God will create increase over time. Do what you can and God will create increase over time. So however, it may be going to a nursing home. That's how you increase your gift. It may be uh, in preschool. It may be in a whole lot of arenas that aren't the ideal arena that you feel your gift should be in, but utilize your gift. The more you utilize your gift, the larger your gift becomes the greater the capacity you have in your area of giftedness. Number two, prayer directed by the Spirit of God. Prayer directed by the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verses 2 through 4, it talks about prayer. And as it talks about uh, prayer, it begins to give us some ways that prayer begins to affect. Now, people-led prayer deals with problems. 
Spirit-led prayer deals with possibility. People-led prayer, it deals with things that concern us. Spirit-led prayer creates opportunities for us. Now, I don't know how spirit-directed prayer looks for you in your life. I know what it looks like for me. But I do know this, that I wouldn't be in ministry today. I for sure wouldn't be leading at a high capacity today if I didn't utilize spirit-directed prayer. Because what it does is it creates the ballast on the inside. And that ballast allows you to stand up on the outside and withstand the pressure. See, what's going to happen in everyone's life as they mature, the pressures around them may become more intense. As those pressures become more intense, you're going to need to create ballast on the inside. That's what spirit-directed prayer does. It creates. And so for you, for me, can I tell you, letting God guide our prayer times is critical to me. Uh, I know that that's where I experience the ability to survive, sustain, and stretch. Three things. Spirit-led prayer allows me to survive the current circumstance, sustain meaningful ministry, and stretch to new possibilities. So, two thoughts. Use what you have. Utilize your gift. Pray directed by the Spirit. Number three, you can't soar if you don't sing. You can't soar if you don't sing. In Isaiah 54, we're given a description of someone who is lamenting their status in life. It's somebody who wanted to have a child, but for whatever reason, was unable to. But they come to God. And when they come to God, he says, I want you to lengthen. I want you to begin to stretch out the stakes. I want you to begin to enlarge the place. But he's very tactical in how he says this. What he says is, sing. Sing, O barren. There's a Bible power to singing and making melody in our heart, as the Apostle Paul described it, unto the Lord. Uh, what singing does is it recenters our life. It, it helps us to stay on the ball, to make sure that we're not drifting, to make sure that we're really focused on the right things. And what I found is that the more I sing, the easier it is for my heart to handle ministry. Now, I'm not the guy that would sing on stage, though I'm the guy who did it when our church first started, but thank God those days have come and gone. But I am the guy who sits out in a congregation and sings. But it's not just that singing. It's that every day there's a song in my heart. Every day I make sure that a song unto the Lord, for the Lord, and about the Lord is there. One of the things that you know in business is that there's always background music. And background music is strategic. See, in restaurants that are able to uh, create a high volume uh, of, of people coming in and going out, they typically don't tend to be the high-end restaurants. They tend to serve meals that are in the moderate levels. 
Well, they make their money not by you coming and staying for the evening, but they make your their money by you coming, eating, and leaving. So they're strategic. The music that they play will be faster than the normal heartbeat. And the reason being is they know that when the beat of the music is faster than the normal heartbeat, those people don't stay as long. But on the other hand, if you go into maybe a very high echelon uh, restaurant and reservations are hard to get, but they make their money not on turning the tables, but on you having an extended evening because the price of their food is is just so exorbitant that they're able to have people stay not just for short bursts of time, but for very, very long. The music changes. It's slower than your heartbeat. I'm saying this to you for this simple reason. When you sing, and you sing unto God, you learn His heartbeat. You learn what keeps your heart going by staying close to His heart. And as I like to put it, if you have a song in your heart, it's how you keep your heart soft so it can grow. You don't grow hardened. You're just soft. You have a tender heart before God. What an amazing thing. So, if you're going to expand your capacity, utilize your gift. Pray spirit-directed prayers. Make sure that you keep a song in your mouth. Another principle is this. Grow your heart and not just your head. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, Paul, writing in the King James, says this, We have enlarged our heart before you. What does that mean? It just means that we're taking our heart and we're making it bigger. See, one of the struggles in life is with all the information that we can now receive through technology is that we have well-informed heads but badly transformed hearts. And what God would like for us to have is a heart that is ever enlarging, that it's enlarging to him and for him. And so the Bible says, hey, uh, you need to enlarge your heart. And, and a part of that is you enlarge your heart when you care, when you care about mission, when you care about ministry, when you care about people, when you care about the aches and pains of people, when you care. So one of the things that I want to encourage you is large your heart. Work at caring. We know that if you talk to someone in life, one of the most frequent phrases that people say is this, I just don't care. I just don't care. Well, when someone says that they just don't care, that's because their heart's getting smaller. See, you can be so occupied with the work of ministry that you let your heart become real, real small. And everyone bothers you and everything bothers you. And pretty soon you're easily overwhelmed. On the other hand, you work at enlarging your heart. Some have described uh, this condition of a small heart as being compassion fatigue. Just having a heart that's tired of being compassionate. Well, you have to enlarge your heart. 
You have to work at caring because there'll be days when you'll want to say, I don't care. You'll have to work at loving because there will be days when you'll say, I don't want to love anybody. And so grow your heart and not just your head. Number five, apply your faith so that you see bigger. If you're going to enlarge your capacity, then you've got to utilize your faith for the horizons. God was always stretching people's visions. In the Old Testament, he talked about Abraham. He said, you know, why don't you go outside and I want you to look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. And when you begin to look, everything that you can see, I'm going to give it to you. Wow, what a principle. Whatever you can see, I'll give it to you. I think for most people, it's that their vision's too small, not that their faith is too small. And so we've got to enlarge our vision. And one of the ways that we do that is through Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16 through 19, where it says, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he would grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That he would grant you revelation, the ability to see bigger than you've ever seen, the ability to see more than you've ever seen, the ability to see in details that you've never seen. Praying that prayer that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of God's inheritance in the saints, that you might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power. It's a prayer about enlargement. It's a prayer about seeing more so you can have more so that you can do more. So when it comes to enlarging our capacity, apply your faith. Don't just believe against a problem and believe for a circumstance. Believe for a greater revelation so that you see bigger than you've ever seen before. Number six, talent always needs a team. In Ephesians chapter four and verse 13, it says this. It says that every joint supplies one to another. See, we may think that we're the most talented individual, but talent works best in a team. And what that means is, is that uh, talent works in an environment where people begin to work together. Years ago, there was a book done about AT&T Labs. This is before AT&T was uh, considered too big and divided up, but they were one of the uh, largest technology labs in our nation. And they had some what they called star performers, people who hit the ball hard, people who really understood and got it. But they started studying them because some of these people would come up with inventions and they would come up with new strategies and they would come up with new technology. And these people were told, oh, you're the brightest and you're the best. And then some other company would come and try to hire them away. Well, the thing was, in trying to hire them away, they would go. But they were never as productive. They were never as effective. They didn't have the inventions. You know what they found? To be a star, you have to be on a team. 
And sometimes we think it's about us when it's really about the environment we're in. And there are people who say, well, I can go do what so-and-so's doing. That may be. But are you a star because you're on the right team? And so one of the things that God says to us is that um, talent needs a team. And what I can tell you about team is you have to stay on a team long enough until there's team chemistry. And if you don't stay on a team long enough until there's chemistry, you're really not on a team. You've just been a passerby of a team. Number seven, if you're not learning, then you're not growing. In Proverbs chapter one and verse five, it says, increasing in wisdom. What do we know about wisdom? Wisdom comes with time. It's not something that you're going to get in one day, one week, one month, one year. Now, you may have knowledge in time, but you don't have wisdom in time. Wisdom takes time. We know that wisdom comes with relationships. I have some people in my life that I admire so deeply who are just amazing leaders. I think of Dale Bronner. What an amazing leader he is. I think of Craig Rochelle. What an amazing leader he is. I think of John Maxwell. What an amazing leader he is. I think of Dennis Rouse. What an amazing leader he is. I think of Diego Mesa. What an amazing leader he is. And I could go on and on. What I found is meaningful relationships have made me smarter. It's amazing how dumb I can be when I'm by myself. And how smart I can appear when I'm around others. So, I just want to encourage you. Wisdom comes with time. And wisdom comes with relationship. And wisdom comes with discipline. Doing things you don't want to do. When you don't want to do them. But because you know you need to do them. Wisdom isn't something that you feel. It's a discipline that you learn. And if you're disciplined for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year, for years on time, for decades, then people look around and they say, man, you've really got a lot of wisdom. And it wasn't as though you got a lot of wisdom one day. It's that you spent the time doing the right things so you could have wisdom. So let me bring this to a close. If you're going to increase your capacity... Utilize your gift. If you're going to increase your capacity, prayer directed by the Holy Spirit. Remember, capacity grows when you learn to sing. Grow your heart and not just your head. Apply your faith so that you see bigger. And talent always requires a team. And if you're not learning, you're not growing. I'll go back to my muscle illustration. What I know is that some people around me have what they call their leg day, and then some people have what they call their back day, and then some people have what they call their arm day. I've given you seven concepts. Some of these you're naturally good at. But you've got to develop every muscle. And to develop every muscle, you've got to be good at all of these. You may be good at doing 
but maybe you're not good at singing. And maybe you're good at singing, but you're not good at praying. And maybe you're good at praying, but you're not good at caring. You've got to utilize all seven of the muscle groups that we've given you for you to be effective. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I pray this helps you. Um, Again, thank you that so many of you have gone out of your ways to post on Facebook the various podcasts to uh, put out on Twitter about them and all the technology platforms that people have. Thank you for doing that. Also, I want to remind you that there's numerous events that I'll be speaking at. I think next week I'll be in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, and be speaking. Then I'll be in Columbus, Ohio. And so uh, there's a lot of opportunities. If you ever want to know where I'm going to be developing uh, leadership curriculum, just go to my webpage, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, and you can find the dates and the places. I do want to mention that uh, we're doing a, a couple of events that are specialized. We're doing one called Breaking the 200 Barrier for Pastors and then Breaking the 500 Barrier for Pastors. They're coming up pretty quick here. The 200 Barrier deals with more of the internalized nature of a pastor because the church doesn't change until the pastor changes. And so we begin to look at some of the internalized skills. And I can tell you, having lived through this, they're necessary. But then at the 500 level, they tend to be team or organizational skills. And so if you haven't cracked one of those barriers, come and be a part. And again, you can go to the website and find out about the when, the where, and how you can connect with those. Thank you so much for uh, listening today. I'm so thrilled to have these moments with you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. 